0: Well, good morning, church family. How is everybody this morning? You don't sound too good. You sound sort of pitiful, just to be honest with you. How are you doing this morning? We'll take it. This morning i 'd like to talk briefly that 's supposed to be funny by the way about a song that is very special to my heart and i 'm going to tell you why back in 1995, I think it was uh, I'd gotten saved in 1990, so I'd been saved for five years. I was already teaching a Sunday school class, and Vicky and I were scheduled to go to a conference down in Charlotte, North Carolina, Bailey Smith's um, Bible conference that he had every year down there. And we were really looking forward to it. It's it was a great a great conference. You'd go on Wednesday night, and they had three speakers on Wednesday night, then Thursday they had three in the morning, three in the afternoon, three that night, and then Friday the whole same thing, three in the morning, and they were always just really great speakers. And about a week or so before we were supposed to go to this conference, and you know, you had to you know, pay for your room, you had to have money for meals and stuff, you know, it was expense. it wasn't a great expense, but it was an expense. But about a week before we were supposed to go, I lost my job. And I told Vicky, I said, Vicki, we can't afford to go to this. We don't have the money to do that. So we're just going to have to tell the people at church we're not going to be able to go um, to this conference. And lo and behold, somebody, I don't know who, Paid for our room and board and provided money for us to eat so we could go to this conference. And what was so important about it and what so touched my heart, not only their generosity, but during this conference, and you all familiar with John MacArthur? He was one of the keynote speakers there. And he preached on Psalms 19. Now, like I said, I'd only been a Christian about five years up to this point, and I read my Bible, and I enjoyed reading my Bible. But it wasn't until I heard him speak about this psalm that I learned not just to read my Bible, but to listen to what God was saying in His Word. And that's when the passion that developed within me about God's Word developed. And that is when God called me to become a minister of His Gospel, a full-time minister. I've only been, like I said, Christian for five years. And within two years, I was in full-time ministry up in Bland County. So this p- psalm in particular has always been very special to me. But all the psalms are good. I enjoy. I read them every day because I really believe that psalms as a whole is a good place for all of us to learn how to walk the walk and to... And to talk the talk. And it also teaches us how to be a a true reflection of Christ into a dark world. And so I'd like us to look at Psalms 19. And the main part I want to talk about this morning, uh, we'll briefly go over the um, the first six verses. But the, the three middle verses, 7, 8, and 9, the ones I really want to look at because they're going to reveal to you the importance and the purity and the strength and the wonder of God's Word. And that's what spoke to me that night some, I guess, almost 30 years ago now. The first part of this psalm, 1 through 8, God reveals himself in two distinct ways. He reveals himself through his creation and he reveals himself through his word. The first six verses of Psalms 19 is talking about God revealing himself through his creation. And it says, "Um, The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day, utter speeches, and night unto night reveals knowledge. Whether you're looking at God's creation in the daytime or nighttime, both times reveal the wonder and the nature of God and its splendor. A matter of fact, this morning I got up early like I usually do, especially when I'm speaking, and it was about 1 o'clock. And I looked out the window, and the night was just real clear and the stars were shining, and it was just so beautiful. I I wasn't brave enough to break out the telescope and go out the front door with it at 1 o'clock in the morning because my wife probably would have killed me. And I can imagine we just put one of them uh, uh, doorbell things, you know, that chimes when somebody's walking, and I can imagine that thing going off back and forth as I, And so what I did do is stand up in front of one of the picture windows with my binoculars and just stand across the starry sky. And I was looking at Orion. I was looking at the nebulas of Orion. I was looking at all the the wonders of God's creation. And let me tell you, I, I like to do a lot of artwork. And let me tell you from an artist's perspective, God does good work. Amen? And you can go out as saying, whether you go out in the day or whether you go out in the night, God's creation will speak to you about who God is in the nature of God. It is splendor in its honor and glory. It's just really wonderful. If you don't enjoy going out into God's creation, you're missing something. So, um, it says, There is no speak nor language that where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. God's creation speaks to us. It reveals God to us. In them he has set a tabernacle for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoices like a strong man to run its race. It's rising from one end of the heavens and its circuit to the other end, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. God's creation reveals the nature of God. The only problem with God's creation is that when mankind sinned, when sin entered into the world, it not only um, corrupted mankind, it corrupted God's creation itself. It corrupted the earth. And so you can still go out there and see the glory of God in his creation, but there's a lot of stuff out there, you know, like plagues and pandemics and hurricanes and earthquakes and all those things that came into God's creation as a result of the sin that man brought into it. So a lot of the glory of God in his creation Has been muted and darkened and and corrupted by the sins of mankind. So it's a little harder to see it, and you have to be looking for it, but if you do, it's still there. Amen? But here's the second way God reveals himself to us is through his word. Let me read verses seven. Um, through 9 to you. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous, Altogether, We have six words that are words signifying God's word. We have law, testimony, statutes, commandment, fear, and judgments. And then we have six attributes of God's word. It's perfect, it's sure, it's right, it's pure, it's clean, and it's true and righteous. And then we have six results of God's Word. Converts the soul, making wise the simple, rejoicing the heart, enlightening the eyes, enduring forever, and unites as one. And this is where I want to stop and just spend a little time with you. It says the law... Of the Lord is perfect. Converting the soul. What do we mean? God's word is perfect, it's blameless, it's complete. His word reflects His nature to us and His will to us. The word describes the blamelessness of God's way. His knowledge or His Word. The law of the Lord is perfect. It's all you need to understand God, to come to God, to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. It's all you need for salvation. It's perfect. You don't need anything else. I had somebody tell me, few years ago that his words, not mine, God's word was no longer sufficient to bring young people to Christ. You needed God's word plus science. And I was stunned, I said, "What are you talking about God's word is perfect, it's all you need to be pleasing in the sight of God, it's all you need to find salvation, it is the perfect path that leads to that salvation through Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. It's perfect. Matter of fact, nothing needs to be added to it, nothing needs to be taken away from it, but a lot of people in the churches today, and a lot of People standing in the pews in the pulpits these days seem to think that the Word of God is some kind of smorgasbord where you go and you take what you like and you reject the rest and you leave it behind. That's not the way it works. It's perfect. You either accept it as it is or reject it as it is. You have to accept the whole or reject the whole. You can't pick and choose what you want to believe and not believe. The law of the Lord is perfect, and it will convert the soul. Now, I believe the soul represents the image of God that we were all created in. Amen? It says, God took the dust of the earth, the physical, and breathed the breath of life to create man. Breathed into him and created man. So he took the physical, and God added the spiritual, the breath, to it, and he made man in his image. In his image. But when sin came in, that image was corrupted and distorted. What was perfect, man made in the image of God, is now no longer perfect. And only those who have an image perfect in God can go and stand before God without judgment coming and the destruction and that comes with it. Amen? Amen. So it says, the law of the Lord, the word of God, is perfect. And it has the ability to restore the soul. To restore. Any of y'all like working on old cars, I mean, there's not a person in here that... There's one back there, I see a hand. Have you ever restored a car? Have you ever restored it back to its original condition? I mean, not, you know, shine it up a little bit, make sure it's running. I'm talking about these are guys that take it and they make sure all the hoses have the right lettering on there and all the clamps are just perfect and all the wiring is just like, it. it, it it's being restored to the... to to what it was as it came off the assembly line long ago. You see, but that's what we need. The image of God, the soul within us, the part of us that connects us with God, has been corrupted. It has been separated from God. It needs to be restored. And through God's Word... Oh, by the way... In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was... And who was the Word? Jesus. So the Word of God is saying here, the law of the Lord is perfect, Jesus was perfect, and He, through His work on the cross of Calvary, through the shedding of the blood and the cleansing of our sins by that blood, has the ability to restore the soul, restore us back into the image of God so that we can step out of this world one day and stand before God with the image restored, holy and pure, and God will look at us and he won't see us, he sees Christ in us, because if he sees us, we're in trouble. Amen? But if he looks at us and sees Christ in us, you say, welcome, my good and faithful servant. Come on in. To the joy of your Lord. Isn't that what we want to hear? The law of the Lord is perfect. It has everything we need to be restored to the image of God as we were created to be. The testimony of the Lord is sure. Sure. It's solid, it's firm, it's stable. It is the foundation you can build your life on. The it testament is sure you can trust it. When we were living in Bedford, we had a two-acre pond out in front of the house. Good fishing. Beautiful. Loved all the ducks and everything that would come. And and it, sometimes in the winter it would freeze over. Now, I'm not I don't like cold all that much, so I wasn't so brave that I was willing to go walk out on that ice and, and be sure that it would hold me. Amen? You know, now it might hold my wife. She's a lot skinnier than I am. But I was worried about it. I, I wasn't sure about it. But God's Word is sure. I can be positive about it. I, I, I know it, 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 it is firm. It, it, it will support... It is where I can build my life on it. It will provide stability and confidence to my life. It's like a baby in the arms of a parent. It conveys the notion of faithfulness and trustworthiness. It's sure. I can trust it. I can believe what it says. Amen? If it says that only through Christ can we be saved, it means what? It means there are many ways to God, right? No, there's one way. And the Word tells me that there is only one way in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And I can be sure of that because God's word is sure, and He wouldn't say it if it wasn't true, Amen. So the testament is sure, making wise the simple. You know, I am not the sharpest knife in the drawer, Amen. But God reveals himself and his work, especially his work of salvation, through his word. And anybody willing to take the time, not just, I know a lot of people read the Bible. The problem is not people reading the Bible, is people don't listen to what God is telling them in the Bible. Amen? Amen. I have people say, oh, well, you know, I read five chapters this morning. I said, that's wonderful. That's great. What did you read? What does it mean? And they looked at me like I'm crazy. What do you mean I'm supposed to remember what I read? Well, yeah. You really should. Because it's the truth. It is the way to live your life. I mean a lot of people look at God's word, look at their Bibles like they would look at a computer manual. Amen. How many of y'all ever read a computer manual? I mean, really read it. They all come with them. How many of us, well, before I turn this thing on, maybe I should just read this manual? And the thing is about that thick. Nobody reads the manual. But if you want to have a life that you know is on a sure footing and that you're headed in the right direction, you're on the right path, it's going to lead you to where you want to go in the end. You better read this word and you better listen to what God is telling you to do in this word. Because it will make wise the simple. When I heard John MacArthur speak, it revealed to me the depth of God's word. And I I developed a passion. Even as a kid, we belonged to a swim club and over in Roanoke. And even when I was nine, ten years old, I always wanted to swim in the deep end, amen. And I feel the same way about see, Too many people want to stay in the baby pool of God's Word. They just want to sort of dip their toes in it just to say that they've been there. Amen? But as a Christian, we should have a passion for God's Word. It's what's going to bring us to where we want to go. And it's sure, it, is, it, it, it needs to be the foundations of our life and it will make you smarter. Maybe not smarter in things of the world, but who cares about the world? The world's going to fade away. I want to be smart about the things that count, and the only things that count are the things of God. Making wise the some The statues of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. A right, right, straight, just right, straight, not crooked. Let me read to you, Uh, this is Psalms 125.5, and I just read this morning, so I thought I'd throw this in. As for such as turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord shall lead them away with the workers of iniquity. You see, the ways of the world are crooked. They turn in this way and that way because they're always looking to take advantage of everybody else. Amen? But the ways of God, it's right. It's straight. You don't have to worry about having turned turn this way or that way. It's straight. It may be narrow, but it's straight. And it's only going to lead to one place, and that's to the presence of Almighty God. And that should be all of our goal. And that should be our goal now, not just a future goal. Because the closer I get to God now, the more He will pour His Word, the more He will pour His truth, the more He will pour His joy into my life, and the more He will transform me into the likeness of His Son, which is God in the flesh, which is man made in the image of God. Amen? It's right. It's straight. The path or way that leads to God is right. It's straight. It's just. It does not deviate from the true way of God. Statue of the Lord, rejoicing the heart. When I'm on the right path, and you know, Jesus said the narrow path is, is the way to go, right? We were talking about it this morning. And broad is the path that leads to destruction. You know why it's a narrow path? Number one, it's straight number two Jesus is number one everybody else is number two and you get saved as individuals not as groups the world always wants to be first Amen. you know as drivers down the interstate it's always that guy has to be in front of everybody else right? and some of y'all are just like that aren't you you see that car a little bit in front well I need to get in front of him well why I don't know it's not a race but that's the way the world thinks. They, the world thinks that they've got to be number one. But the trouble is, Jesus and God, they're number one. Everybody else is number two. And when we get saved individually, we line up behind Jesus, and we're in single file. So you don't need a wide path, because nobody's trying to get ahead of Jesus. And it leads straight to where you want to go, where your goal is. How many of y'all want to get to heaven? When we all get to heaven. I won't sing, boy, I just ruin everything. But that's, is that our goal? To get to heaven? To get to the presence of God? To enter into the kingdom of God? Where all the things that sin brought into the world will be gone, and everything will be perfect. The statue, of the Lord is right, and it will rejoice. It will fill your life with joy. What do you have to worry about it? Here's my favorite: the commandment of the Lord is pure, pure. Let me give you a good example of this. i lived in New Mexico um, many years ago before I got married. We saw a a friend of mine and I saw, he went down to take a job as a parts manager in a car dealership, and I went along for a three-year ride. And we lived in a little town in New Mexico called Artesia. Um, Just north of Artesia was Roswell, Aliens, you know. And just south of Artesia was Carlsbad, which had Carlsbad Caverns. Beautiful cave system, loved it. Used to go all the time. And this is the thing that amazed me most about Carlsbad. I think differently, but anyway, that's beside the point you go in Carlsbad Caverns and you go down and they had rooms as big as football stadiums and, 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 and it was just gorgeous and it was just miles and miles underneath the desert out there. And there would be these pools in these caverns. Now this water had trickled down through all the rock and everything and it was just so pure. It had no contaminants. No, Nothing was living in it. There was no wind. And you would look into these big pools of water and you would see straight down to the bottom. And your eyes had nothing to focus on. And you knew there was water there, but you just really couldn't see it because you looked and all you saw was the bottom of these pools And you couldn't tell the water was there. It was sort of a freaky experience because the water was just so clean and so pure that you saw directly to the bottom, to the rock at the bottom. And your mind told you there was water there, but your eyes saying, uh-uh. But you knew it was. The commandment of the Lord is pure. God's Word has nothing in it that would hinder you from seeing directly into the heart of God. Amen? If you look into it closely, you will see God here. It is pure. In the same way, Christians, the Bible tells us we are supposed to be pure, amen? And the purer we are that when people look at us, the closer we get to God, the purer we get, people will look at us and they will see God in us. Because the stuff of the world of this life is being taken away. So as we get purer and pure, God is revealed, Christ is revealed more and more as we reflect the light of God. The commandment of the Lord is pure enlightening the eyes. It gives light to the eyes. It allows us to see. And that's important because people who've lived in darkness all their lives don't realize what light is. People who have lived with corruption all their lives don't understand what purity is. People who've lived um, separated from God all their lives don't understand what it means to be united with God. Their eyes need to be open to the state they are living in because they don't realize it. The fear of the Lord is clean. It's clean. Enduring forever. And the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Somebody, or several people over the years, have asked me, "Well, how do I know this is God's word? How do I know it's true? There's so many of these Bible, you know, other, you know, chapters of the Bible, these other gospels and stuff out there. How do we know you got the right ones? How, do you, how do you know?" I said, "Well, let me ask you a question, and I'm asking all y'all the same question. Do you believe in God?" You can say amen. Do you believe God is all-powerful and can do all things? Amen. Do you believe God's still active in the world today? Amen. So, wouldn't that lead you to believe that everything God wants to be in His Word is there and everything God does want to be in there is not there? Amen? God made sure everything that is needed for salvation is right here in His Word. Everything we need to know Him and His ways are right here in this Word. We got everything we need to be saved, to have our image restored, to be pure and holy, and be able to enter into the presence of God in his God's word it's perfect it's sure it's right it's pure it's clean it's true and righteous you know any other book you can say that about? We'll look at the last part of this psalm next week. Amen? Or y'all would be late for lunch. And heaven forbid we don't want to keep Baptists from their lunch. I'm included in that. Amen? God's Word. It's what all we need To live a righteous life in Christ and to step out of this world and into the presence of God and have an eternal life, holy and pure and perfect. No more darkness, no more corruption, no more separation. United, one with God. Let us pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, Father, too many Christians.